everyone and welcome to the Dear Future Hubby podcast. I am your host, Teresa Reese, and y'all know how we do it. I am about to read a poem from my book of poetry entitled A Strong-Willed Mind Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry. But before I read the poem, I wanted to speak to this book of poetry because I was telling a friend earlier today that I can tell based off of the poems that I've been sharing on this podcast that there's been a shifting concerning the things that I've gone through and I believe it's very, very interesting whenever you go through a storm. In my case, I've been through many, but when you go through a storm and let's just say you take the time out to write as you are going through that storm and then time passes and then you reflect and you look back over that time and you start to see, wow, I was in a lot of pain. Wow, I went through a lot. Ooh, how did I get through that? And I think that there's something to say about being able to take a moment to record when you're going through and then taking another moment to record once you've overcome. And so the more that I am reading my book and sharing it with the audience, I am grateful. I'm grateful to be on the other side of this, of the hurt, the pain, the crushing of my spirit, the brokenness of my heart, just all of it, the ridicule. I mean, I'm probably still going to be ridiculed for like the rest of my life, but there was a point that I was literally ostracized and I was just constantly judged. And, and although I may still be getting judged at the same level that I was judged back then, I just feel as if there is something to say about how I have grown during this process to where even during those times that I know that maybe someone feels indifferent toward me or they don't quite like me or they really can't stand me, how how I actually process that. And I'm so, so proud that the younger version of me did not give up when she was being called out of her name, when she was being mistreated, when she was being disrespected when she was being lied to, when she was being deceived, when she was being betrayed. I am so, so happy that she did not give up, that she did not internalize the lies so much so that she would have allowed her life to be literally sifted from her prematurely. There's something to say about resilience. There's something to say about loving yourself. 
There's something to say about never giving up, no matter when and how your back is up against the wall. There's a scripture that says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And when I read the pages of my poetry book, I remember when I was writing my poetry book, I remember that there were so many times that I would start to write a sentence or maybe even two, and then I would just break down crying. There were times that I couldn't even finish one poem because the sorrow and the grief and the hurt and the pain connected to that particular poem, I had to literally take time out to process my emotions before I could put them on paper. There was so much that I, I had literally gone through and I didn't know what my story was going to look like. I didn't know what I was going to be and who I was going to be outside of that pain. I couldn't even see outside of that pain. There were times that I had suicidal thoughts. There were times that I literally, I even had, I believe, homicidal thoughts. There were times that I had crazy, crazy thoughts. But I'm so grateful for the people that surrounded me. And there were people that I'm sure were praying for me that I didn't even know. I, there were people that were praying, P-R-E-Y, on me that I had no clue. But I'm grateful for the people that were praying on me and over me, praying for me, not on me, but praying for me because this is what, at least my version, I can't speak for everyone, but this is what it looks like outside of the pain. It doesn't mean that you don't, I still hurt, I still go through, but there were things that happened in my life that I truly believe were meant to destroy me. And whether or not the person that was being used was knowingly being used to destroy me, it was meant to destroy me nevertheless. But I'm glad that the answers to overcoming those trials and tribulations, those spiritual attacks, those physical attacks, those emotional attacks, those psychological attacks, that the answers were always within. I'm grateful for my spiritual journey. I'm grateful for my relationship with God. I'm grateful for the people that are encamped around me who I call my angels that genuinely want the best for me. That they're not just saying it because it sounds like the thing to say, but they're actions prove it. Did you know that there are some people that will stand closer to you who are not your flesh and blood than an actual brother or sister? And I am grateful that that was shown to me. I'm grateful that I didn't give up on people because with all of the stuff that I'd gone through, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, that's something that I could have done. I could have just given up on people because of how much damage was done to me 
in my formative years, in my young adult years, in my teenage years, but God, he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask, all that we think, all that we even imagine. But we got to believe. And there was a little part in me that despite how I was being mistreated, how I was being verbally and physically abused, how I was being neglected, how I was neglecting others, how I was verbally abusing others and physically abusing others. I literally practiced those learned behaviors on people that could have very well meant the best for me and to me, but hurt people really do hurt people. But I'm so grateful that even in my hurting other people that I found the strength to ask for forgiveness once I came to myself. Now, whether or not they chose to forgive me, that's on them. But the fact that I was able to say, could you forgive me? And then I turned around and I forgave myself. And I think that really also was something that was necessary. Because sometimes we ask people to forgive us, but then we forget that we need to forgive ourselves. And I forgave myself for a lot of my terrible choices. I forgave myself for trusting the wrong people. I forgave myself for believing when I heard the words, I love you, that it was truly, oh, he must really love me. And it was a, a whole lie. Lust and love are not the same thing. But I'm grateful that even in that, what was meant to tear me down, what was meant to prevent me from ever getting up, what was meant to take away and strip my voice, what was meant to silence me, did not overtake me. I have truly learned what triumph over tragedy looks like and feels like. And I don't know who this is for, but I felt the need to share and I felt the need to say, be encouraged. And not only that, I understand that everything back then that I was going through, when I thought it was me against the whole wide world, now I realize that I was going through it so that I could share it with the whole wide world. What a mighty God I serve. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. His ways are greater than our ways. He only wants the best for his children. And I'm so glad and I'm so grateful that he loved me enough that he sent the right people in my direction to where iron truly does sharpen iron. Because those days and nights when I felt like just throwing in the towel, those days and nights when I 
cried myself to sleep. Those days and nights when I called my aunt, pouring my whole heart out, asking her why are certain things happening to me? What did I ever do to deserve half the hell I went through? And hearing words of encouragement. Like she said, she didn't always have the answers. But she gave me what she knew, which was the word of God. That's the one thing that will never return to you void. That's the one thing that will never return to him void is his word. Man may lie to you. Woman may lie to you. But his words, he's not a liar. He's not a man that he should lie. He is definitely my everything. And I am so eternally grateful for the friendship that I have with him. I'm so eternally grateful for the love that he has bestowed upon me and does daily. Before I started on tonight, this episode, I felt vertigo trying to manifest. That is something that I've struggled with for years. Every once in a while, vertigo would just hit me. I wake up and I'm dizzy and I literally can't stand. And I felt it because I normally get a feeling before it hits, hits. And so I felt it and I was like, okay, Lord, tomorrow's going to be, ooh, it's going to be one of those days. And at first I didn't even want to come on here because I was like, God, I'm dizzy. I'm feeling dizzy. I don't, I don't want to do this. I want to just lay down. And something said, you got to finish what you start. So I started off feeling like I was going to fall over. And now I feel his strength. And that's just how awesome he is. Obedience is greater than sacrifice. It always has been. It always will be. And so I'm now going to read my poem. However, I just had to take a moment to express my gratitude because I don't take, I don't take the blessings that God bestows upon me lightly. The word of God says the blessings of the Lord make it rich and add no sorrow. And when I look over the pages of my poetry, I noticed how I had so much sorrow because I allowed other people to spew what they were going through on me. And I didn't know that I could put on the full armor of God. I didn't know that I could quench the fiery darts. I wasn't there yet. I hadn't arrived, I still ain't arrived, but I wasn't even close back then to know exactly what to do and how to deal with it. And so I just dealt with it. And I carried stuff that I should have never, never, ever should have been carrying. As a teenager, as a young adult, I took so much stuff that I should have never had to take. And when I look over the course of all of that, I'm like, you were there. You really truly did keep me. That was meant to take me out. That was, I will never forget the day 
that I lost custody of my other two children. So initially I had lost custody of my, no, backwards. So initially I had lost custody of my first two children. Not first two, they're the top three kids. So I have six children, my oldest three children. So the how it went was my first two children I lost custody of. And then it wasn't long after that, that I lost custody of my oldest daughter. And the same attorney was used for both cases. But I remember the day that I lost custody of my two children, because that was the first custody battle that I had lost. And I remember how I felt. And there was a lady, I was living in Dallas at the time and I had to drive to Austin. And when I was getting ready to come to Austin, I, I remember looking for attorneys and trying to find attorneys and trying to find somebody that would take my case. And they were giving me all these outlandish prices for them to come from Dallas to Austin. And then the time crunch was like so very, very small that I, I literally could not find legal representation. So I had to represent myself in court. And I remember the day before I drove to Austin, there was an elderly lady that I worked with and she made the comment and looking back, I'm like, God, if I would have known that that was kind of a warning before destruction, I probably would have responded differently. If I would have known that you were giving me a peek into the future, I probably would have responded differently. I would have prayed differently. I most likely would have fasted. I would have done something differently, God. But I remember her saying, what if you don't come back to Dallas with your children? And I looked at that woman sideways. If looks could have killed she would have fallen dead. Because in my mind, what do you mean if I don't come back to Dallas with my children? There's no other option. There's no other way. What are you talking about? And I go to court with no legal representation. And the guardian ad litem is in the courthouse sitting right next to me. I have all my paperwork. And the father is there with his support, his family members. And I hear the judge giving him custody of my children. For a mother who genuinely loves her children and made so many sacrifices to truly be there, to be there for her children, to hear that you don't have custody, it does something to your whole soul. And I sat there and like, I couldn't even, I couldn't formulate what I was feeling. All I knew is that it felt like my heart had jumped out of my body. And I was like, that can't be what I think I just heard. And I remember my mom trying her best to console me. And I remember our ride home. 
I was so very devastated. But I took my frustrations out on my mom and I yelled and I fussed and I cussed. I was so hurt. And she was just so soft-spoken. She said, because she wanted me to rest. I had not slept in 24 hours. She wanted me to rest. And I didn't want to rest because I was devastated. I didn't want to sleep. I wanted my kids. And then the judge, to add insult to injury, said that the weekend that I was in court was not the weekend that she had honored for me to see my children. So I could not, while I was in Austin, see my children. So then that was like pouring salt on an open wound. And I remember my mom, as I fussed, I cussed and I yelled and just went off on her, like about everything. I was angry about everything that day. And I was getting ready to, to at least try to lay down because my mom, she wouldn't go have it any other way. And she said, that's okay. Go ahead and get it out. I'll be your doormat. I'll be your doormat. Because you've been everybody else's for so long. Get it off. Get it out. And I cried in that pillow. I cried and I cried and I cried. And I was like, I lost my babies, mom. I lost my babies. And then I tried to drive home. So I didn't even really sleep. I just kind of got it off of me. Tried to anyway. And then I literally was trying to drive home. She said, where are you going? I said, I'm going back to Dallas. She's like, Teresa, you don't need to go back to Dallas. You need to lay down. And I didn't want to lay down because I could not close my eyes thinking about what had just transpired. I knew I wasn't going to go to sleep. And so I went, got in my car, started driving, and I got all the way almost to Old Torf. And I heard a voice. People try to say that, oh, God, don't talk to you. Oh, that ain't God. That's just your conscience. That's just your voice. You believe what you want. I believe that I heard the voice of God. And I heard it so clearly. And he was like, where are you going? And I'm screaming at the top of my lungs at God. I said, I'm going home. He said, Teresa, you won't make it over the bridge. And he gave me a vision of my body being so tired. I was so emotionally drained. I was psychologically drained. I was spiritually drained. I was exhausted. I had been fighting for years and my body was tired. He showed me a vision of me falling asleep behind the wheel and running into the bridge of Town Lake. The minute I saw that vision, I did a U-turn. I headed back over to my mom's house 
and I surrendered to his will. I was like, I don't understand why I've lost my kids, God. I don't know why you would allow this to happen. You know how much I love my children. Why would you allow this to happen? Why would you not prepare me for this? Why do so many people hate me, Lord? Why? And all he kept saying was, you need to get to your mom's house. He heard me, but he didn't answer me that night. And I went to my mom's house and I slept like a baby. And I woke up and their father was like, we're at the church. You can come see the kids. And I had to position myself to understand that this was going to be my new normal. And that when I went back to Dallas, I was going to have to face that elderly woman who has said, what if you don't bring your kids back with you? I was going to have to look her in the face and say, I don't know how you knew, but you were right. Now, what do I do? How do I function without them? And I didn't do so well. I didn't do so well. In fact, I became angrier And looking back, because hindsight's 100%, at least that's what they say, I believe a part of me took it out on my oldest child. And it wasn't long after that that I lost custody of her too. And I'm like, Lord, now I lost three children. And then I had, who is now my 20-year-old. Actually, I had my 20-year-old. He was a few months old when I lost my... um, custody of my oldest child. She was eight years old and I had him. And then not long after that, I had the other two. And I remember saying to myself, devil, you won't get these three. You may have blindsided me. You may have caught me slipping, but these younger three, I'm just a guard with my life. You won't get these three. You're not taking these three from me. And I have fought like hell to make sure that they're not taken from me. Everything happens for a reason. And it doesn't always happen in the way that you think that it's supposed to happen. Doesn't always manifest the way that you expect it to manifest. For me, I have learned that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can't do stuff by myself. It may look like I can, but I know I can't. Because that pain that I felt when I lost the custody of my children, no one will ever truly know unless they have gone through the exact same thing what that feels like to a mother who loves their children 
but the trials came to make me stronger. And I'm sure that there are young women out there, someone out there who is either going through a similar battle, who has been through this battle so they can relate 150% or had to been a supporter to someone who was going through that and didn't quite know what to say, what to pray, what to do. Because it's a different type of loss. And I've experienced a lot of losses in my life. But that by far, right after what happened to my daughter, those two types of pains, mm -mm. those are the types of pains that'll lay you down. Those are the types of pain that you literally need someone else to pull you up to pull your arms up, to hold you up. Because every time you try to stand, you fall right back down. It's a different type of pain. And I had to find the strength to forgive every person involved. I had to find the strength to forgive myself for putting myself in a position to trust someone to the point that I would even be in that position to experience that level of betrayal. It is not easy by any means. It hurts so badly. But God. He brought me through it. He allowed me to live through it. He allowed me to see my children on the outside. I had to be on the outside, but he allowed me to see them grow up to be beautiful people. Beautiful, beautiful souls, beautiful people. And at least I had the opportunity to see that because some mothers they didn't make it to the other side. Some mothers took their lives. Some mothers lost their lives because their heart was so broken. They could not breathe, literally. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I was able to live through it. I'm grateful that I was able to talk about it. I, apparently God knew that I needed to talk about it because I wasn't planning on talking about it. But everything happens for a reason. So I don't know whose ears this was for, but I do pray that if you have gone through something similar, you could be the grandparent where your child lost custody and then you ended up being collateral damage and you can't even see your grandbabies, but you love them like they're your own. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that has happened to you because I know what that pain feels like. It's definitely not a walk in the park. It's a different type of pain. Loss is already hard. It's already hard. But that type of loss, you don't bounce back from nothing like that overnight. And this happened years ago. And I still feel the pain like it happened an hour ago. I'm not sure if that wound will ever 150% heal. I'm just not sure that that'll ever happen. But it happened to me. By the grace of God, it didn't break me. 
It tried to, but it didn't. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. And if it did break me temporarily, I'm glad it didn't break me permanently. But nevertheless, I now realize hurt people hurt people. And so if you, if you are someone who is hurting, if you're someone that likes to try to make someone feel the level of pain that you feel, if you like putting vengeance in your own hands, if you like always wanting to be right, if you like always trying to prove your point and make sure that you win, quote unquote, check your heart posture. It's necessary. Because even when we think we're winning, those children are not. They literally hurt when families tear up like that. They feel the pain. They feel the shifting. They feel the damage. They can become damaged themselves. It's just not worth it, in my opinion. So I thought I was going to read a poem, but I feel like God had something else in store. Um, and maybe that's what this was, is that he didn't want me to read a poem today like I normally do. He just wanted me to speak what was on my heart. And I did that. I laid my burdens down at the altar. And sometimes it requires that you journal Sometimes it requires that you talk about it. But no matter how you decide to heal, make sure you forgive yourself for the choices that you've made, the mistakes that you've made. Even if those involved never say a mumbling word, never apologize, never take accountability for where they played a role in it. Never take the time out to explain their views and why they did what they did. Even if you never get the explanation, even if all you have is your own side of the story for whatever reason, take time to forgive yourself because it's necessary for you to heal. If you are a parent, who has lost custody of your children. And if your children are still blaming you years after the fact, forgive yourself. Leave the door open whenever they're ready. Lord, say the same, I pray he does. You'll still be living if they ever become ready. Leave the door open for them to have that conversation with you. I know I literally had the conversation and it's crazy because you know some people can remember the conversation some don't it just depends on what they're going through i don't know but anyway i remember i took a, a class it was called bethesda and pretty much that class it talked about soul um, wounds those that are intentional and those that are unintentional and i took it in church but it's one of the best choices i've ever made in my life because i was able to kind of mend some brokenness within myself going through that process and I remember having a conversation and maybe they were too young um, when I had the conversation they couldn't fully process everything that I was saying but I do remember having the conversation and apologizing to my older children about that process and the damage that it, I know that it did to them because at the end of the day whether I intentionally or unintentionally 
was no longer present in their lives, that affected them. It was like they were rejected by their mom, even though I didn't reject them. I remember I got a text message from my daughter one time and she was like, you're not fighting hard enough. And my friend was living at the time and she was like, she has no idea all that you've done to fight for her. And I was like, because they're so young and they're only hearing one side of the fight. So yeah, she doesn't know how hard I'm fighting. But to get that message to tell me you're not fighting hard enough broke my heart because I'm like, that's exactly what I was doing but I'm, I wasn't wealthy. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, I wasn't a multimillionaire. And so it's harder when it's a whole family fighting against you and a couple of people. It's a little bit harder to win that battle. And so I had to go through the beatings in terms of the verbal abuse. I had to go through it. I had to go through the everything, being called an unfit mom. I had to go through, you're terrible. I had to go through, um, you don't deserve. I had to go through all of that. I had to go through all of that. The stares, the, uh, you know, all those little noises people make when they really can't stand you. And I had to pretend like I didn't hear any of it for the sake of my children. I had to act like I didn't feel the energy for the sake of my children. I got through it, but I know that there were a lot of people praying for me during that time that I would get through it. I know that there were a lot of people that were praying for me, who believed in me, who saw me past my pain, who saw me past one chapter of my life, who saw me beyond that and was like, help her through it, get her through it. Because there were times that I couldn't even, I could not utter the words. I could not formulate the words because when, when pain is so very deep that all you can do is moan and cry and scream and yell because you're trying to get the weight that's on your heart off of your heart and it won't budge. That was the hardest season of one of them, because I've had a few, but that was one of the hardest seasons of my life. I would not wish that on anyone on any given day. And maybe that's one of the reasons why I have more compassion is because I understand what it feels like to get your whole life ripped from you. All the plans that you're making, stripped. All the people that you're trusting, bam. I know what it's like to be blindsided. I know what it's like to hear, I love you. This is for your best interest. This is for, I'm doing this for you and the kid. I know what it's like to have that dialogue and that's the furthest thing from the truth. And the crazy thing about it is my parents did everything that they could in their human nature to try to protect me and my siblings from hurt, harm, and danger. 
And it was the choices that I made thinking I was grown that ended up causing more hurt, harm, and danger than any of them could have ever fathomed. No one could have ever seen or projected or thought. None of us saw it coming. So it's nothing that they could have prepared me for. It's nothing they could have had a conversation with me about because it happened quickly and suddenly. And I may never understand the fullness of the lessons I was supposed to learn in that. Because I operated in, in on defense mode, in defense mode, the majority of the time that I was going through that. So it may take me another, Lord say the same, I hope I'm still living. But it's like, it may take me even more years for me to truly digest. Why did it have to be that way, Lord? How did I contribute to that? And, and even in my contributing to that, what lessons was I supposed to learn? I may only have 10% of the lessons that I was supposed to learn. There may be another 90% that I still ain't learned yet. But I will tell you, that was one of the worst seasons of my life. Love my kids. I love them all. I would do anything for them. The love that I have for them didn't fade. The respect that they have for me did. So I'm going to read something really light. And then I'll read my book. I'm in my book, my um, letter to my future hubby. And I've read this before, but I feel like it's befitting for me to read it tonight because I, like I said, I didn't know what I was going to speak about, but now my will of God's will be done. So it's called Mother. I have my life because of you. Wait a minute. That's to my mom. So, mom, I love you, but this is this one is not for you. <laughs> Let me find the one. This is the one that um that I wanted to read because it's called My Children and my children are very dear to me. And um this is something that I would want them to have in my eulogy. And it's called My Children. Nope, that's not it either. Y'all, okay, y'all don't have to bear with me because everything that I'm thinking that I that it was, it ain't. So hold on, let me see if I... There's one in here where I am literally talking to my children if I were to pass away. And for whatever reason... I can't seem to find it. Hmm. Okay, so maybe I won't be reading that tonight. So let me go to Nobody Understands. Okay, it's called Nobody Understands. We're, we're switching gears since I couldn't find the point I really wanted. It 
so easy for you to judge me by focusing on negativity. I'm pondering on the possibilities of no one ever truly understanding me. For you to be on the outside, critically looking in, telling me all of the things that I should do differently and don't offer me a helping hand, but you're always giving me your judgmental opinions. You're not available whenever I need you, but you always want me to listen to you. What is that about? And I'm the one you're talking about, and I'm the one you're talking about. Behind my back, of course. Too cowardly to say it to my face. But when you see me, you don't mind being fake. As if your condescending attitude towards me will make my respect for you deepen. Not. As I erase this imprint from my mind and reflect on our past conversations, no one understands how I am, how I am starting to resent you. Not because of what you've said to me. No, it's because of the things that you do. Instead of praying for me, I indirectly, I indirectly became your prey. You murdered me with your tongue daily. And yeah, I can attest to that as well. Being murdered with the tongue. I remember I literally had a Bible study one time, hosted a Bible study. And that was one of the things that I asked um, those that were in attendance. I said, I want your homework assignment to be. I need you to tell me if you can murder other people with your tongue. And they were in awe because they never knew that that was a possibility. But you can. And maybe that's another reason why I believe in, in second chances and third chances and four chances. Because God has brought me back to life in ways unimaginable. He allowed me to replace what was said about me in a negative light. He allowed me to redeem myself. And I ended up raising some of the most beautiful souls in the world. And I've been a single mother the majority of that time in raising them. So he let me know it didn't matter if you were learning how to be a parent in the beginning. I'll be your teacher this time. Just stay close to my heart. Listen to me. I'll give you instruction. I'll surround you with the right people that can pour into you and show you what you could do better. And no, you're not going to make a hundred all the time because no parent does. But I'm going to give you the grace that is necessary for you to raise your children. I'm going to keep you covered. I'm going to be your best friend. Now, you know that you can tell me your secrets and they won't go any further than this. You know that you can be completely transparent with me and I won't hold it against you later. You know that I know that you're a work in progress. But you know that I love you unconditionally. And because I love you unconditionally, I'm going to show you how to be a good parent to these children. Always keep your heart open. Because even if the older children right now can't stand you, they love you, but they can't stand you. Keep that door of your heart open. 
Love on them when they let you. Speak to them whenever they call. Make yourself available. But don't beat yourself up. Because as many people that try to judge you and try to tell you how you did it wrong, trust me when I tell you, they didn't do it right all the way either. I'm grateful that God has become my best friend. I'm grateful that he has sent the right people to be encamped around me. I'm grateful that I am able to speak my truth. This is my truth. This is my version of what took place way back when. There are people that were present that can reaffirm my truth. There are people that are present in his life that can reaffirm his truth. And there were people that were in my children's lives that can reaffirm their truths. But at the end of the day, all of us were impacted by those choices, whether good, bad, ugly, or indifferent. I have found it in my heart to forgive everyone because I did not want to stifle my growth in God. I did not want to block my blessings. And I don't like feeling weird toward people. I would prefer to operate in love. When I'm looking at the, the whole picture, we have children that need to get married or are gonna get married, gonna have children. I need to be able to dwell in the same space with you and be at peace with you and vice versa because that's the healthiest thing to do for the sake of the children. I'm grateful to God for forgiveness. And I'm grateful to God that he taught me how to love myself. Even when people that said that they loved me showed me in their actions that they never did. I'm grateful to God for just exposing things that I literally was naive to. I just didn't have a clue. I had not experienced life before. I didn't know what to expect. And I didn't know none of that. I didn't know who to trust, who not to trust. So a lot of lessons that I learned were the hard way. They were the hard way, but I learned them. I learned them. And so I hope your journey, whoever you are, that you're not going through as much as I went through or haven't been through as much as I've been through because it was not easy. But future hubby, I wanted you to know, like, like I said, I'm very transparent and everybody cannot handle my truth. And I know that. But I was listening to something today and it really really resonated with me and it was a lady who was saying that um when she was younger that she tried to impress a teacher and she was getting all of her stuff together and she was really trying to make sure she articulated everything right conveyed everything right she was going through her lines she thought she was really doing something and she said that she asked him for his feedback and she said, what he said was, I don't know what you said, because all you said was, um, um, um. You said that about 90 times. She said that crushed her. And she made a statement that she would never speak in public again. And I thought about my life. And I thought about how many times people in corporate America, people in my regular world, have tried to shut Teresa up. It's too many for me to count.
but this is not my voice. My voice is not my own. And when I listened to her and she spoke with such boldness, didn't say um not one time other than to give us that example. And she was like, the day that man said that, it crushed my spirit. And it made me feel like that five-year-old young girl when the teacher mocked me when I was trying to give a speech. And she's like, I made a vow that day that I would never speak again to anyone. And she had to literally cast down that imagination that exalted itself above the word of God. Because God had blessed her with the voice. And the devil is very crafty in how he tries his best to silence it. Then I thought about it. I was like, you know what? It's too many times that I have been in a situation where someone has tried to shut me up. When I was being molested, don't say nothing. When I was being raped, don't say nothing. When I was being physically abused, be quiet, don't say nothing. The devil has tried to shut me up my entire life. Don't say nothing. But as you can see, I have a whole lot to say. My name is Teresa Reese and I have approved this episode. I'm now going to read a letter to my future hubby and it is dated March the 16th, 2021. Dear future hubby, I hope your day was stress-free. That thing ran very smoothly for you. That things ran very smoothly for you. I told y'all just writing in cursive. I need to stop that. I hope you laughed a lot today. That you did something special for yourself. I hope you tried a new dish or something like that on today. I hope that you made the very best of this day. I feel like these days are passing by so quickly that I find myself squeezing a lot into one day. Well, today I believe that I believe that caught up with me. So I'll make this short and sweet. By the way, I have a movie on my mind that I can't wait to slow down long enough to sit still and watch it. It's called Coming to America, the sequel. It's actually called Coming to America, but you know. <laughs> it's the sequel. Man, can you believe that the original movie came out, I believe, in 1988? What are your favorite movies? I must say, movies, because I like a whole lot of them. So many from the Shawshank Redemption to the Love Jones to, well, actually it's called To Love Jones, <laughs> to Love Jones, to Sling Blade. Sling Blade is one of my favorite movies. The list goes on. Well, I hope you enjoy your evening. I love you. Love, Teresa. So I just wanted to take a moment to thank each and every one of you who incorporates Dear Future Hubby podcast 
who you actually incorporate the Dear Future Hubby podcast into your day. Um, we are raw here, real and wise. Now, everything that I talk about, because I'm being very transparent, everything that I talk about, I do not profess that it is wise. A lot of times I'm just merely, can't even get it out. I am merely expressing what it is that I've gone through and what it is that I recollect that I've been through. And I wanted to create this podcast, not just because it gives me an opportunity for me to let my future hubby know what he is signing up for if he happens to listen to the actual episodes, but also for me to heal. So I'm still in the healing process. I have not arrived. There are still parts of me that are wounded. And I know that I'm very much aware of that. And so this allows me the platform to be able to go on this journey, but to be completely transparent because I really do believe that people are not real enough within themselves. We have this thing where we don't mind putting on the mask and pretending like everything is okay when it's really not. The truth of the matter is, is that although I've come a long way, I know that I have a long way to go, which is one of the reasons why my being found by my purpose partner is important to me. And something that my mom touched on a few episodes ago is that my purpose partner may not be a human being. It could be a project. It could be something that I am uh, meant to do. It could be something that I aspire to do. Um, but nevertheless, I know however this works out, that it is meant to help me heal and it is meant to help me grow as the best version of myself. So I'm not going to always get it right. Another reason why I do the podcast the way that I do, where y'all hear me fumbling, where you hear me having to repeat myself, is because I feel like too many people don't keep it 100. I don't want to rehearse this podcast and I might get chastised for it later, rebuked for it later, whatever. But I wanted you to be able to hear someone that is trying to get it right, but I have not perfected it. So that that way you're able to see if you have the, a dream and you want to have your own podcast, you may do it different than I do. You may not read a poem in the beginning. You may not sing because every once in a while I may have a, a song that's on my heart. I have never taken a singing lesson. So I'm not trying to be Whitney Houston. I am not trying to be somebody I'm not. I'm simply trying to be myself and not even trying. This is who I am. This is the authentic Teresa. And so I, I did not create the podcast for me to compete I created the podcast for me to be who I am and for me to use my voice toward what it was that I was called to do. And that is to share my voice and my experiences with other people in hopes that maybe something will encourage or inspire or uplift them or even motivate them to reach for their dreams to never give up on yourself. It doesn't matter if no one else believes in you. Believe in yourself. Because there truly is, there is literally only one you. There will never ever be another person like you. It doesn't even matter if you have a twin. Your twin and you do not have an identical fingerprint. 
That means that there's only one you. 